Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Art Money Success Podcast. I'm Maria Brophy. This particular podcast has had a long time coming. I stopped recording back in November because the worst thing that could have ever happened in my life happened. My high-level athlete husband, Drew Brophy, caught COVID, and so did I. And we were both fairly sick. This was early November. And Drew got sicker and sicker, and he's not one to ever go to a doctor, so he was trying to tough it out. And he couldn't tough it out. The It got into his lungs, and by the second week of November, he was admitted into the hospital. And on Thanksgiving Day, he went on a ventilator. The doctor on that day said, look, Drew, you have three options. One, You can keep trying to fight this thing and your heart will give out and we won't be able to save you. Two, you can keep trying to fight this thing and your breathing will give out and we won't be able to save you. And three, we can put you on a ventilator and there's a slim chance that might save you. So Drew went on the ventilator. Aren't those grim options? And before he did, we FaceTimed because I wasn't allowed in. And I stood outside his room in the grass, he was on a ground level room and staring in the window, his sister Andrea and I stood outside that window and talked to him on the phone and then FaceTimed in our son, Dylan. Drew said, I wanna say goodbye to Dylan and my mother. And I said, no, don't say goodbye, just say see you later. And then what we didn't know was what was gonna happen after being put on the ventilator. And it's an ugly scenario, they don't really tell you. And if they did, you might not do it. That's a whole nother story for another day. But I'll get to the end of the story. And the end of the story is Drew was on the ventilator, intubated for four weeks. Now, when you get to two weeks, you have about a 20% chance of survival. But when you get to four weeks, you have less than 5% chance of survival. 
And everyone was telling us he wasn't going to survive. I refused to believe that he was going to die. And I was at that hospital every single day. The days they wouldn't let me in, I stared through the window and had the nurses put my voice on speaker on an iPad. And then finally, when they started letting me in, I was there every day, all day for months. He was on the ventilator for 70 days. He was extubated after four weeks, which means they went from a ventilator down his throat to a ventilator in a trach in his throat. After 112 days and three different hospitals, he finally came home on his birthday, on his 51st birthday, and that was three weeks ago. And Drew is now home, and mostly what he's recovering from is being in an induced coma. Most of his recovery was having lost a hundred pounds, lost all muscle, all fat. He was just skin and bones. He looked like it was a 95 year old Auschwitz survivor when he left that first hospital. He got down to 105 pounds and now he's up to 140. So we're doing good. He's now able to walk with a cane because see, when you lose a hundred pounds and you're not, you're completely immobile for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, nothing works anymore. None of your muscles, your arms, your legs, you can't walk. Your diaphragm doesn't work, which is kind of problematic for someone with breathing problems. So all those muscles had to be woken back up. I have physical therapists coming to the house, occupational therapists. I have massage therapists. I have myofascial release therapists. We are doing everything we can to get his mobility back. And it's, it's working. He came home on two liters of air. So he's got to have oxygen 24-7. Every now and again, we bump it up to two and a half or three liters when he's like taking a shower because that takes a lot of energy out of him and uh, hard for him to breathe. His lungs are a mess. We start pulmonary therapy in a couple weeks and um, that should help. His prognosis is this. Well, some doctors say, He'll never heal, but I don't listen to those doctors. His main pulmonologist said he probably will heal. He said, you know, when you have fibrosis of the lungs from cigarettes or from vaping, it never heals. He said he's never seen a patient heal when it's caused by smoking or vaping. He said, but a lot of his patients, most of his patients healed COVID pneumonia caused fibrosis. So that's a positive thing that I'm holding on to, that Drew and I are holding on to. I didn't work for almost five months, which is really tough when you own a business 
and you and your husband are out of work for five months and you're like the main, <laughs> you know, you do all the work in the business. Luckily, we hired someone three months before this happened, Christine O'Donnell, to run the gallery for us. And she's been incredible. I'm finally working my way back to work and working my way back to podcasts and finding my way back to writing my books, everything on a very part-time basis because my full-time job is that of a caregiver. And every day gets easier. I want to say uh, words of appreciation for so many people that helped save my husband's life, namely, I'll, I'll name a few people, and then there's so many that I can't name uh, just because there's too many, but um, respiratory therapist named Paul Hieronymus, he was like the number one angel. He wasn't even assigned to Drew's room or floor, but he's a friend of ours, and he happened to work in that hospital, and he saved Drew's life on numerous occasions. few nurses stepped up and saw things that were being done wrong. And I'm not going to name them because they might get in trouble for this. Um, but they saw a few things that weren't being done properly. And they changed and corrected those things. And I think, you know, uh, man, I never understood how powerful nurses are with, you know, they can make or break your healing um, until I saw it with my own eyes. But I witnessed several nurses literally saving Drew's life from, from a protocol that is not perfect. And um, so many angels out there that uh, I, I'll say Drew's doctor, his current pulmonologist, Dr. Cole, love this doctor. So positive, so encouraging for Drew's healing. He, he's, he's an amazing doctor. And then um, uh, there's a Dr. Fitzgibbons who helped us understand um, the experimental drug called Avipdidil and how it helps COVID patients. And he was very generous with his own personal time. He doesn't even, uh, he wasn't even on the case. He was just somebody that I was referred to. And then, um, oh my gosh, the community, local and global people who love Drew, so many people praying, so many people donating money to Drew's GoFundMe, which, you know, um, I didn't even set up. I, I, my brother-in-law set it up saying, you need this, you're going to need it. And I'm like, no, we're not going to need that. We're fine. We have insurance. He's like, no, Maria, trust me, you're going to need it. He's right. Because I mean, just now all the therapies we're doing is, oh my gosh, I don't know, 6,000 a month, something like that. And that's just the therapies in home. Um, probably more. I don't know. It's a lot. And then the out-of-pocket costs with uh, hundred days in ICU or no, 80 days in ICU. I don't know. I lost count. Anyway, um, so people who contributed, thank you, thank you, thank you. There were so many people bringing food, which is great because in the beginning I had lost so much weight. None of my clothes fit me. I wasn't eating. I couldn't eat. I was distraught, depressed, terrified, stressed. 
Um, now I'm putting the weight back on. I kind of liked being really skinny, but oh well. Uh, that wasn't my favorite kind of diet. And um, so many stories, so many, oh, respiratory therapists, Alicia, uh, Hong. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many, so many medical staff that, you know, I'm not going to think of their names right now. Ari is a nurse that was right there that day. Drew was being put on the ventilator. And she lives locally and she checks in on us all the time. And she was just so, such great moral support. Um, so many close friends that were here by my side. Uh, my sister, Andrea, who came out and left her three small children to spend a month with me. And Drew, just to, just to help. And um, I, I mean, there are just so many people. I can't even name them all, really. Um People dropping off things, dropping off food, gifts. A guy named Gary Hedrick had made this giant banner, had all the locals sign it. Um, I think the most, the thing that really helped Drew turn around was, um, you know, you could say it was the medical care, but, and of course, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but um, there's a lot of people that get this amazing medical care and they die. Okay, a lot of people do. Apparently, 95% um, of the people that were in Drew's position died. 95%. Drew had so many people praying for him. Even his friends who don't aren't religious and don't believe in God were sending him Reiki healing and energetic healing and visualizing him being well and and he felt all that energy and he has a whole story that goes along with it. he had a near-death experience and he felt all that life force being given to him so I wasn't planning on telling this whole story I don't know how I went down this road but it's kind of kind of cathartic to tell it I just wanted you all to know why I disappeared for five months and that I'm slowly making my way back into life. And my husband, Drew, will eventually rejoin life. I don't know when. Um, he's got a long way to go before he can do anything. I mean, we just mastered the shower a few days ago without professional help. We just mastered that. That was a big deal, getting him in a shower. It's not easy. So, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say. I, I've, I've, it's, it's, this whole thing has been incredibly traumatic and transformational. And I learned to get effing tough as nails and I don't think anybody can mess with me anymore. I grew an extra backbone through this whole thing. Saving the life of the one you love requires a lot of fire. 
relentlessness, 24-7 commitment, paying attention to everything, paying attention to what they're being fed, what drugs they're on, what therapies are out there that the hospitals aren't educated on, which there's a lot of them. That drug Evipdadil actually saved a lot of lives. And it's it's in phase three trials right now, but uh, a lot of people have never heard of it. And um, a lot of doctors are afraid to try things that aren't FDA approved. But one, here's one thing I learned that when someone's on their deathbed, you have a right to try. It's So you have a right to try anything. If I go in there and say, hey, I want to put frankincense in his feeding tube, I have a right to try, you know, they can do it. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but um, somebody probably would. So the right to try thing, you can insist that your loved one gets a treatment that might save them. Because, hey, they're going to die anyway. And Drew was going to die. Heck, they stopped feeding him for a while. He was going to die. And he didn't. And I'm so grateful. I'm writing a book about it. And um, pretty traumatic. Pretty hard to work through it. There are other, you know, a lot of other people that have gone through this. And most people, I think, didn't have the the luxury of shutting their business down for five months. I mean, I guess you could quit your job. Um, I don't know why I'm rambling on and on. But anyway, thank you all for listening. And um, if you want to shoot me a message. You can, if, if you're listening to this in a place where you can leave a comment, leave me a comment, keep it kind. I got some hate mail from, from people. Um, well, from one person, from people, from one person who didn't like how I was handling my husband's illness. And, and it's the most cruel thing you can do. So I would hope any comment you leave me would be loving kind and understanding and if you're listening to this on a podcast where you can't leave a comment you're welcome to email me my email is maria uh no wait a minute what is my email consulting at mariabrophy.com that's my email feel free to feel free to shoot me an email Thank you all for listening. I love you all. And um, I'm debating whether I should share some of the more of this story, details of this story, either on this podcast or start a different podcast that just focuses on people who have loved ones in the ICU who are on their deathbed. I don't know. I mean, but uh, love you all. Thanks. Bye.